This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. Excited to have you here as each week we have an interview of someone to share something to help us elevate in our world and in our life. And this week, I had a pleasure, pleasure of interviewing Tony from Noasis. And so we talked everything about life. We talked about the history of civilizations. We got into how we are, uh, we've, we've, we we as a humanity we where has our downfall have been to where we're not thriving in life we're in the destructions of civilizations and different entities and so forth where do we come from how we've gotten to the blame game is there hope for humanity to thrive and if so how and where do we begin very deep conversations what i love about talking with tony is we got deep into the he's very logical from a mathematical standpoint so everything's math base. And it's very interesting on how he does it. If you've been listening to me on the podcast for some time and subscribed, you'll know that I have talked a lot about things in the same way, but we use different verbiage and we look at it from two different angles, but it's coming to the same conclusion, which is very, very cool. So to tell you a little bit about uh, Tony, Tony Wall is the, or Anthony Wall is the founder and president of Noasis, a nonprofit dedicated to issues of human sustainability, to examine evolutionary, evolutionary influences upon modern behavior and to one day free humankind from the churn of perpetual conflict. 
Wall, who comes from a family of nine, graduated from the William Penn Charter School in Philadelphia. He then moved to Chicago, where he graduated from Lake Forest College. Walls credits his liberal arts education as a catalyst for his ongoing interest in existential philosophy. He spent two decades of his career in the financial services industry. He found himself always drawn back to the study of humankind. In 2019, Wall established Noasis. He created a series of educational videos to describe the immensity of evolutionary influence upon modern behavior. Wall describes a notable paradox, the primitive compulsions that that keep kept evolving humans safe now combined to block humanity's arrival in a sustainable future without any further ado here is anthony wall is the light okay yeah, you look good. I see your light. I got. I, I see that nice little glare on your head. I don't know. My light is not above me, so you would see. You wouldn't be able to see me if I had a light above me. Well, you know, you don't want it to drown out the light. <laughs> I love it. All right, one second here. We'll get. We'll get going. Go for it. Thank you, Tony. Welcome to the show. It is my pleasure, Vic. Thank you very much. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I've been waiting to have this conversation with you to pick your brain and all that you do. And uh, before we we get into the the amazing work that you're doing, I would love for you to share with the listeners, what was that journey that led you to the work that you do today? In a word, uh, observation. Uh, I'm a serial observer. I, I was always, you know, we all have a, a certain center to our personality um, coming out of the gate kind of I was always taken to observation and uh, I'm a dot connector a very highly logical scientific mind um, and it, you know am I emotional absolutely absolutely I know certainly no Mr. Spock or robotic of any kind however I was always drawn to observation which um, by the time I got into college drew me directly into uh of philosophy. I mean, I was just really drawn to it. And particularly existential philosophy, which let's, we're not going to make a big deal of that. That's just, just a lot going on to unpack in that. But basically, it's a stark, starkly realistic view of the world. Um, so uh, I, I was immediately drawn to that. And I spent my entire life as pretty much, rather than judging and um, blaming certainly blaming and judging things that I saw in front of me. Uh, I trained myself to sit back and ask, what's going on here? What, what's driving this? Um, as opposed to, again, blaming and judging it, because I determined early on that uh, humans don't respond to blame um, or, or judgment, and nobody wants to be, be lectured. Um, I then uh, went further with that and determined that blame is, in fact, a threat. So um, I imagine my surprise when I realized that human beings were caught up in a model of blame and blame rejection and that we were literally threatening one another thousands of times a day and wondering why we don't get anything done. So uh, I'm an observer and uh, I write down my thoughts for a long, long time. Um, and that could turn into an ocean that is now turning into noesis. I love that. And I could totally relate with you on dot connecting and pattern recognition and all that fun stuff, because that's kind of how my mind works, too, in one of those ways. Um, 
And I love the question you asked too in your journey about like what's driving this. I think that is so huge in so many ways. Um, when you did ask that question, what what was the answer that came on the other side? Um, uh, the answer in the shortest way to put it is that, uh, again, this goes back to the uselessness of, of blame. It, it occurred to me when I divorced myself from all of that, that I was the, the patterns uh, were so precise. And I then went further and determined that any when we're in the company of precision or anything mechanical of any kind, we're in the company of mathematics. So uh, I began to see patterns of human failure going back 10,000 years. I realized that history books were the same play with different actors. Uh, so, I mean, right, right away, I when that came to me, I was like, there's something going on that's a constant, which uh, which uh, kind of leads us into a preordained failure because of the uh, of, a, of an interesting fact, and that is that the human brain uh, chooses what's logical in the present moment as a matter of survival. Uh, if anybody would disagree, I would ask them to close their eyes for five minutes while they're driving and get back to me about how that went. So. Um, the point is that in our present moment, the brain chooses what is logical as a matter of survival. I began then began to wonder, then why would we, there's no logical flow in uh, having our cultures collapse in eerily precise way. And then having what rises out of the ashes, have a bad habit of looking like the old one fast. Again, no logical flow. I thought, okay, that something else is driving this because, so what is it? I got to work finding out what that was. Um, I can explain it in detail. I can defend it. And um, once you see the bell or ring the bell, you can never unring it. It's that, it's, it's that clear. I love when you say that because it's like, it sounds like um, I would call that in a realm like uh, spiritual awakening because once you awaken to see something, you can never unsee it again. Like it's blaring in your eyes. And exactly. I wrote a book um, called Decoding the Matrix. And it's really about what you're kind of, you know, like the, the 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 game never changes, just the players. You know, they talk. I remember hearing that statement about the game and women and men and, you know, how the, what they say and what we say and how to, you know, try to get a woman or something along those lines, just traditional type of relationships. And it was uh, and I always say, don't hate, the, don't hate the game, just hate the player. And I was always like, OK, but I saw that. Actually, in my own journey, again, connecting dots, looking at patterns, looking at history. And I was like, it's the same stuff. It's the same game. It hasn't changed. It's just the players change and they say things differently. Maybe, but it's all the same stuff. And what is, you know, when you look back, what is that thing then that's holding humanity from, you know, not being able to, maybe, maybe I got this wrong. Please correct me if I do, but in, in my work and what I've seen is that what's holding humanity back from not ex excelling to survive. Cause we're talking about, you know, sustainability and all these things. Um, is there, is it a thing? Is it consciousness? Is it conditioning? What, 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 you know, I'll just leave that to you and we'll, we'll take, yeah, see where that takes um, us. I understand it. Let me be I can cut right to the chase. All those words, were very interesting. Uh, it, the words that, that I would arrive at too. Uh, by the way, uh, decoding the matrix, I ordered it. You know, it's, it's, it's no question. So, uh, you know, I, I also 
spent a lot of time looking at what you do and and looking at the really interesting parallels. I'm a macro humanist. What I, what I do is I study human groups uh, up anywhere from a country club board all the way up to the an entire country uh, because of a mathematical reality, one that is inarguable, and that is that the behavior of any one individual is utterly, utterly unpredictable, whereas the behavior of human groups is 100% predictable, which is which is quite a, a disparity, zero and 100, you know, right there. Again, I was back at the, we're like, I think something mathematical is going on here, socio-mathematical. So you ask what's causing or what's keeping us from, well, quite frankly, what's brought us to this awful place where our mortality as a species is vaguely visible on the horizon and it's no longer a cell. So, so this, is, this isn't a drill anymore um so, so but we don't come we're not running a fire drill we're we're running a process uh, and and uh you asked is it this is it that or is that here's what it was an event as a, a a well viewable inarguable event we hold our conclusions to be inarguable because they spring only from fact or what we could show to be true so if you're going to do human sustainability, you would do well not to be full of, of baloney. You would be really do well to stick to what you can show. Because a, a put upon humanity, I think we can agree, has no luxury of theory anymore. You know, we, we, we need answers here. Um, so along comes uh, Noesis. Um, to to explain to humanity something that, that that it can never view. We've arrived at self-loathing. We don't like ourselves as a species. That's fair. We act in suicidal manner. Um, anything that like, I've never met anybody that likes themselves and then promptly acts in a suicidal manner. So we don't like ourselves as a species. However, the existential crimes with which we've charged ourselves we're, we're, we're not guilty of. Why? Because there was a crossover event in the human evolutionary timeline that derailed the human race, no less than derailed. And I'm going to ask you in your mind if you've ever seen anything derailed that put itself back on the track. It doesn't happen. Okay. So human, the human species was, in fact, derailed by an event. I'll explain it. What we do here is... The human journey on this earth is very, very, very well known now. 50 years ago, it was a matter of some conjecture. Now, no conjecture whatsoever. All humans come from the same place. We started our journey in Central Africa. Um, that puts 8 billion humans who we exist for on the same page right right there. You know, we, we all start there. And... We've arrived 10,000 years after settling down to into a mode of perpetual conflict, which is unnatural to humans. Conflict is, in fact, unnatural, um, uh, except defensively. So it, I began to study the human evolutionary timeline. And 
once you see what I'm going to explain, <laughs> you'll never unsee it. Because here it is. Um, after 275,000 years of wandering the globe, human beings got to all areas of the globe about 10,000 to 15,000 years ago. Um, the last leg of our journey, by the way, occurred when humans crossed over into North America from what is now Northeast Russia, across the Bering Strait about 30,000 years ago, only 30,000 years ago. So by, by 10 to 15,000 years ago, there's nowhere to go anymore. We were everywhere. What did we do? Randomly, again, these are random events, blame, judgment, out the window. You know, we're explainers here. We settled down into larger and larger populations. And now migrating and collaborating human beings were commanded to acquire for the first time. Um, elements of societal control intruded upon our experience. Um, uh, notice, the, uh, notice the clinical take. Um, it, we, something happened to us and we would not blame a frightened or lost child. We would drop what we're doing to help that child get home. Uh, we lost our way. Now, I, I hate that cliche as much as you do. We lost our way. But we, in fact, did. Uh, we have collaboration wound around our bones the migratory journey commanded us to collaborate or die. And it's that simple. So 10,000 years ago, a highly collaborative, peaceful, integrated being arrived to all areas of the globe and then had an agricultural awakening when we settled down into bigger and bigger populations. And those bigger populations had to be controlled. Again, these are random events. Uh, so that's when the first elements of societal control fell in for us. And, and the first one was food supply. <laughs> Hungry humans are compliant humans, turns out, Vic. And, it, you know, that was the first time a, a lesser being appeared on planet Earth. Uh, a lesser being, a greater being and a lesser being would, would then go on to 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 form the dynamics that would collapse every single human stationary culture to ever, ever exist. But more than that, the collapse occurred in clock-like, machine-like fashion, um, predictable, um, that, that socio-mathematical uh, constant. The nature of a constant is that it is reproducible anywhere in the universe at any time. Two plus two equals four yesterday, it equals four today, it will equal four tomorrow. Humans are swept along by a constant that was that formed when a lesser being, lesser being, did not recognize its lower station in the D, in our DNA. We don't know how to be lesser. So for the first time, three things occurred. And uh, societal collapse, even to this day, happens in the following fashion. Resentment introduced itself for the first time. Resentment always defaults to vengeance, no exceptions. Vengeance then plots 
or then executes on insurgency. Um, again, you set your watch by this. Show me a lesser being anywhere, anywhere. I'll show you the collapse of whatever system they're in. Uh, is that scalable to countries and empires? Most certainly is. It's precisely scalable. That is the nature of social socio-mathematics. Human beings are not guilty. Okay, so what is not guilty certainly is savable. Now crosses over from self-loathing to viewing itself with great empathy. Something happened to us. We are gravely injured. We are frightened. We are, we seek safety in numbers. Why? Tribal 101, we're scared. Okay. We call these political divisions. Nuisius thinks not. We th safety in numbers, we've never been more tribal. <laughs> it, we've never been more ready to fight perfect strangers. That's tribal behavior, not political divisions. Uh, we're acting normally. And people say, wait, I never thought about that. I say, well, that's what we do. We put things in ways that people don't think about. Humans have a fight going on in our minds. It's one we can't win. Our calling is to assist and to be assisted. It's what kept us alive. Now our calling is to is, is a self-interested one. Uh, the two cannot coexist uh, unless they bargain with one another. They don't, they don't even know the fight's going on. So let, let's alert them to that first. Um, a lesser being would, in fact, go on to, to collapse every human culture ever to exist. Uh, those same models, I gently warn, are all around us today, but this time globally. And because this is a constant, rather, you said it earlier, uh, history books explain situations. These aren't situations. These are mathematical constants. We always fail under this, by the mathematics I just explained, we are failing by them. We will fail by them. So we come out as inarguable. If someone could defeat the simplicity of that, we don't, we don't ask them to. We would actually beg them to, because that means I could go back to the golf course thing. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, we are here to help. Uh, we intend to, uh, we intend to unite all humans on Earth under the banner of species self-preservation. Um, we can't, we can't unite politically. Why would we try something that's not doable? We can't unite religiously. We can't unite culturally. We're not ready. However, there is a banner now forming, and that is the mortality of our species. Uh, is the mortality of our species a common enough problem for us to unite under? We think we think it is. So, pardon me. Um, I'm going all over the world to try to unite. Um, all countries right away, like under the idea that, hey, we're failing as a species, while asking absolutely nothing else to be given up, absolutely nothing else other than let's preserve ourselves. We're a Monet that's been left in the 
in the dust, in the mud. We're a Monet. We are loving, uh, caring creatures. It it comes, it bubbles right up every time we're needed. We go right into action. Matter of fact, we're home when we help what is helpless. Okay? It can bring tears to your eyes. Why? Because you're home. We're swept along. We're not guilty of anything. We're guilty of being swept along. Things we never chose. Um, what doesn't know that can't value itself and acts every bit of it right now. So pardon me for hijacking the entire 10 minutes of that, but I had, you know, I had to, uh, I had to lay it out there for you. We look upon these issues with great empathy. Uh, we're lost and frightened creatures. We need help. We need help. And what you're sharing, I mean, aligns with a lot of the stuff that I, I see that I come from a different perspective, from a different angle, but it's it, it aligns because you, I love how you said one person is like a 0% possibility of control, but when you put them in a group, it's 100%. And in my book, I literally talk about that in the conditioning model of how, and you know, you, you brought up fear and things like that. And it's one of those things, if you look at just one thing you you see over and over and over again uh, for many different civilizations, utilizing the essence of fear to control. And we know that fear, there's studies that came out just last year showing that when you can get someone into a state of fear, behavior can be controlled. Um, well, not only can it be controlled, it can explode. It can actually explode if it's not controlled properly. And um you know, it, 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 there's nowhere good for it to go. Uh, matter of fact, I just completed, uh, we have 50 videos. Um, I I talked about, I made one called Safety in Numbers. Fear is, starting out with fear is a powerful thing. Um, so we're right on board. Now, one thing I also want to uh, explain to you is that I found very so many parallels uh, with, between what we both do. Uh, I, I'm a, again macro. I, I'm scale. I'm we're scalable to eight billion humans, but there are so many, um, uh, so many things. I wait, pardon me, but I, I wrote it down. Um, you know, sorry, <laughs> they fell off my lap. <laughs> so anyway, um, I hate when that happens. Yeah. So you know, you 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 in some of your uh, podcasts, you, you use our journey. Uh, you tell, you explain to people about how they can make their journey better. Uh, I'm trying to make our journey as a species survivable. Um, you talk about being able to trace your journey. Human beings can trace our journey now for the first time ever. The data for us to know who we really are is now has has a spotlight shined on it and we we're going to shine a bigger spotlight on it the only light to the future it turns out is that of the past so we wish to very much partner with other sustainability efforts such as climate change pandemic um nuclear uh, certainly um disruptive technology snuck in there recently like that's when our computers decided they don't need us anymore um, but anyway, those four things are noble. But if we ran four people out on the basketball court, the referee wouldn't let us play. We're missing a fifth one. 
And that is that we'd like to be the unifying force to complete the team. How did we get here? Not look what we did. How did we get here? Um, and when we realized that we were essentially victimized by a random event uh, uh, having to do with stationary cultures, I want you to want all the listeners to listen to that. Migratory became stationary. Every culture that ever failed was, in fact, a stationary culture. So there's your constant right there. Stationary cultures form acquisitive, go into acquisitive behavior. Nobody's fault. This is about blame. And those, so a meritocracy formed. You know, we had natural meritocracies as we were migrating. Whoever the leader was, we were darn glad of it because it gave us the best chance to survive. Now we have financial meritocracies. Um, where lesser beings don't think, gosh, this is great, or they don't think, gosh, this stinks. No, they don't recognize in, we don't recognize in our DNA. Uh, I'm talking about biology here. Um, we don't think this, this sucks. No, we'll spend our lives escaping any lesser station assigned to us. What could go wrong? Um, People talk about wealth. Wealthy people, we're going to, it's the lesser people that, that, that destroy cultures because they're going to spend their entire life getting out of that metaphorical cage. Um, if you put if you put a lion or a tiger in a cage, it'll figure out soon that it's not going anywhere. It'll lay down. Put a human being in a cage. As long as he's drawn, he or she is drawing oxygen, they're trying to get out. So we, lesser individuals that we call lesser, we once called them necessary, right? Um, and now they, 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 you know, the way it goes down. If you, by all means, you're, I would ask your viewers to Google societal collapse. Two things: increasing complexity, inequality. Period. There's no, there are no uh, uh, exceptions, none. This is a constant that's viewable. Now, let me ask you, let me, let me get ahead of some people's questions here. Does this mean the end of capitalism? <laughs> well, am I happy to surprise them? Capitalism is our only choice. Sentient creatures must be free. All right. Um, the, but, in, in a sustainable future, we would make different decisions within a capitalist system. We would create necessary beings, no lesser beings, because even one lesser being, even one, <laughs> there's eight billion people on this planet. Give me one, and I'll show you like a fire that's got a little spark left in it that could ignite. Um. So it's the you know that's elegance and simplicity rather than socio rather than social complexity. Uh, no, human cultures collapse in eerily precise fashion. There's no complexity here. All our failures look the same. 
Um, so, you know, so, so there you go. Take it from there. Sorry. Again, I sorry for that hijacking. <laughs> no, this is great. I mean, you're sharing wonderful information. You know, you just got me thinking then because it's like we, you know, you said stationary instead of migratory. And when we're stationary, that's when it collapses. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think of that from a health perspective, from a neural perspective. It's like you, the brain is designed to have movement. The body needs to move to feed the brain. And when we don't, we're making our brains less and less uh, um, um, like from a chiral world. And my, I wouldn't say all chirals agree with this. I wouldn't even say half do. I wouldn't even say a quarter do, but it's just my point of view. As I say, I see it often where we say we're actually de-evolving from a neurological perspective because we're not doing what is needed to help us thrive. Not 100, 120 years ago, we, we didn't need to go to gyms to work out. We were outside physical labor, walking and moving and enjoying the outside air and doing things like that. And now, uh, what is, I think the average human uh, American watches like six hours of TV a day or four hours of TV, whatever it is, how much time on the phone, all these different things. But you brought up a great point with that because the stationary point, it's just like, it's so true, but we're mm-hmm. all stationary now. So is is the global collapse happening like they're saying it's going to potentially? No, uh, no. <laughs> the, the answer is probably. Now, when the minute I the minute I begin to talk Pollyanna nonsense, is the minute everybody hits the exits. Okay, so I don't soft pedal anything. Here's the situation: human beings die. Um, by extension, the human race, we're dying. Let me just explain explain to you. We are in fact dying. We don't need to. This idea that we have to, we have to bottom out, and then we're going to have our uh, comeuppance, or we're going to either live or to, okay. Th- that's great for movies, but you know, the, the fact is that we have data now. We have, we have data that shines a light on the, our entire experience on this earth. We fancy that we are blank slates at uh, at, at uh, birth. Um, Noesis uh, cannot cannot concur. Uh, in fact, we have the uh, the weight of two hundred thousand prior generations sewn into our DNA when we when we were born. Um, the impulses and compulsions that come with that activate many many times faster than the thinking brain. We are overmatched out of the gate. We are in a fight. We cannot win unless we begin to understand these mechanisms, to make friends with them, to reintegrate with them and by extension with ourselves, okay? Um, it's our ownership, our ownership that will, uh, that, that can save us, not our denial. So the ostrich effect, I get it, it's gonna kill us, okay? And not while I'm drawing oxygen, I am here to explain to human beings that what is a mathematical certainty by way of a constant that I can explain is also unnecessary. This is about hope and remedy. We need to get busy understanding who we are. We understand, And when we do, we're going to see the mathematics of it. What do I mean? What, what do I mean by that? Mathematics. Okay, here it is. Uh, human decency. I tread softly here, but, but hey, this is what we do. Let's take a look. Uh, I noticed the mathematics of human decency. Uh, human decency tends to end when action is required. Says, where action is required, human decency tends to end. That's a mathematical thing to me as far as I'm concerned. Are we decent or indecent? Neither. 
We're mathematicians. At what point do I have to act? That tends to be the point where I don't. Okay. Um, so that's mathematical. Now, here's another thing. It, it extends to so many things, and, and we write about them. We, we have 50 videos. A book's coming out called The Human Injury. Uh, when we were derailed, we crossed over from collaboration to acquisition. And it, 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 the, look, these were selecting ourselves for our for an early exit. But we don't know it. It's not our fault. We don't know what we're doing. If I put you as, as capable as you are, if I put you into a, the seat of a 747 and said, land this thing, you and I, let's agree, we'll crash it 50 times, all right? So we don't understand this thing we're flying. And now we can and must. Or what's going to happen has already happened 70 times. So, uh, you know, hope and remedy is in not soft-pedaling these issues. Here's some more math. I looked at ethics and morals, and I asked myself, are we ethical or unethical? We're neither. Again, we're mathematicians. We tend to tailor our ethics precisely with whatever the chance of being detected at any given time is. The point is, if we make ethics, we then get busy calculating the probability of detection for our bad behavior, and we tailor our ethics precisely to that. So this is may come as bad news. Well, let me tell you something about bad news. We needed it to stay alive while we were evolving. The bearer of bad news had more value for our survival uh, than the bearer of good news. When you and I met 100,000 years ago, Vic, we didn't talk about what a lovely day it was, did we? We got busy talking about survival strategies all day, every day. So if I had bad news, the idea that a pack of hungry boars was a mile down that road, I had value. Negative information, we call this. Did it go away? No, it reinvented. We gossip about we nitpick. We're looking for the details so we can pound on them. Why? We're still looking for the negative information that died eons ago. Um, again, we are evolutionary scientists at first. And, and, and uh, now we can look at ourselves as, my God, how can we scold a being? that has to strip away 200,000 prior generations of impulses and compulsions that activate like that. Who do we think we are? Now, we look at ourselves with empathy, or at least we certainly do. We're helpless. As far as human sustainability, achieving sustainability, we're helpless. Let me flat out say we're helpless. Um, we were helpless. Now we know who we can know who we are. We can identify and expel the illusions, quite frankly, that we have that are that are weighing on us. We had to rationalize everything, didn't we? We're acting unnaturally, so we rationalized everything. The sum of what we've normalized is cartoon-like. 
everybody's looking around now and saying, my God, look what we've normalized. So this isn't what we did wrong. We, we had to normalize all these calamities so we could do something called sleep. You know, um, so, so that's where we come from, a very, very, um, very remedial, very uh, loving place, if you will. Um, human beings are deserve to survive. What we are, what we are at heart, very much deserves to survive. What we've become never can and never did. But what we are deserves to. We are dignified, loving beings at heart. Um, so there it is. That's why we exist, and that's what I intend to do. No, I love it, brother. And I, and I think that, you know, tapping into more being, I always say, we got to bring out the, and I've been saying this for years, we got to bring out more of the humanness in us. Um, we'll create that shift in, of what we need to, you know, because there, I love when I, I threw that out there at you just to test it. I was like, okay, is the collapse of the global, everything going to happen, the collapse? And you're like, no, no, no. If I say yes, you know, but you, I love the way you brought that in because it's really, that's my viewpoint on it too is, um, nothing like one thing I always say is nothing's ever set in stone. You know, we can, as beautiful things that the power of a human being, we can, or humanity, we can, we can shift things on an instant, uh, and change the directory of where we're going. Uh, but I, I really like that. The essence of how you said bringing it back to, uh, being human, we, we have to bring more of that. And, uh, I think the more we, we, we start to do that, the more we can really make the shift that, you know, in the spiritual or in the old, like the uh, ancient wisdom, I always like to say, uh, they said the whole shift would come and we would shift away what we how we do things and um, and elevate ourselves to a whole new being. And and I think that's that's where the, the, the start of it all happens. Yeah, let me give you some I th I, we're going to wrap up soon. I know. So let me let me leave the listeners with some numbers that they can use. Um, again, uh, we are fact basis. So. Uh, and we need to be. So here it is. Um, there are 14, we've cataloged 2 million species um, on your owner so far. Cataloged in great detail. So that's good work for us, right? No, uh, there's 14 million, thought to be 14 million species on Earth. So we've never, we've yet to meet one of seven species on the planet. We don't know how we got here and we don't know how we're leaving. Uh, what sentient creature would not fear that reality? And what sentient creature wouldn't fear watching the degradation of that reality? Um, so again, another another uh, diversion into empathy. Um, during our conversation right now, three or four uh, species went extinct, 150 a day. Um, uh, the fact that this kid could not happen to us is, is preposterous. The idea that it has to happen to us is equally preposterous with what we now can know. We are here. We are here not to talk about extinction. No, we bring no value. That means a lecture out. We're here to address a much more dangerous thing that nobody ever thinks about. We're here to think about it. It's called commitment to extinction. Five billion extinctions on this earth, 99.9% .9 of everything that ever lived here is gone. They all had one thing in common, one thing. That is, they committed to their demise long before the last of their kind fell. Human beings would commit to our demise 
hundreds of years before we'd be gone and we wouldn't know it. Commitment is only knowable in retrospect. We're here to address the fence walking that human beings are doing between being able to preserve ourselves and committing to a reality that is mathematically not able to be reversed. We're the, not the extinction guys, we're the extinction avoidance guys. Um, if I can give, impart that wisdom right there, people are like, wow, I never thought of that commitment. Look, if we commit, the, the next 150 years are going to be cosmic Dunkirk. Uh, not, again, my children, your children, they're going to understand that. They, they would awaken to despair. If our if, if my child skins the, his or her knee, it breaks my heart. And everybody can understand that. If my child were to awaken to despair, I'm not here. My heart's already broken. This is for the children who have never been to understand what, what happened to us. They would understand what would happen to us. And in 100 years, our entire human thought would shift like an aircraft carrier turns into water. Well, while promising nothing, what, what, what could we ever promise? I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty far in. Sorry about that. You know, I bring no value by soft peddling anything. But I also don't come at it like, what's the matter with all you people? Nothing's the matter with us. Something happened to us. I mean, <clears throat> if you were a guidance counselor and somebody was acting out, you would sit down and say, what happened? My parents are divorced. Aha. Something happened to you. We would then get busy making sure that the, 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 you know, the withdrawal, you're getting into fights, absenteeism. This is how we process pain. So the human race is processing pain and hitting, a dead, hitting the same wall every time. We don't have to do this anymore. So we're doing on a large scale what you would do on a small scale anytime. See somebody in trouble, you go right to their assistance. We are coming to the assistance of the human race that does not understand itself in any way, but that very much can now. I love it. We, we align in many, many ways, my friend. We do. We do. I wrote it down, but uh, there's only so much time in a show. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Tony, how can people follow you, all the work you do, and, and, and uh, keep up with all the great things you're coming up with? Okay. Thank you. Um, I start with this. <clears throat> people think this is an unreachable star. Watch us. Um, Human flight was called impossible 10 days before humans took flight. All right. It, it, uh, we just won't play. We're going to work until there's nothing left to work here. Um, so uh, noesisproject.com is, uh, is our domain. Go there and you will see a, an intelligence. That's easy for me to say. Well, if we're not intelligent, then you won't stay. Not much is certain. Uh, you will see a, a, a standard of quality. Every single thing that forms the basis for, uh, for what's happening to us is in video. Um, you know, it, it, if, if you go through it, it's, it's an absolute ocean. 
And there's another ocean, an undiscovered country that's not even published. I've right? been a busy boy. So nuisanceproject.com, uh, we are we are remedial and hopeful at heart. People say, you'll never get it done. I won't play. It's that simple. I just won't play. Nuisanceproject.com, uh, um, I have a book coming out called The Human Injury. It explains the crossover event. When we were derailed, commanded to acquire for the first time, commanded to acquire. Nobody got together and said, let's ruin the whole human race. These are random events. And uh, so, so there it is. Thank you very much. Awesome. Tony, this was a, a very enlightening conversation. I, I, I knew I was going to enjoy this when I saw you coming through. And uh, uh, I, I want to thank you for all the work that you do and what you're doing for humanity. And uh, thank you for taking some time to share some space with us here at The Mindful Experiment. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.